It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Celtics get the 14th overall pick. Gordon Hayward speaks and why Game 3 is a battle of human nature on this Friday. Locked on Celtics podcast. Millie, let's go. Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it. Got a local feel like the red line. The blue line. The green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime. And press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. It's the best way. Melly. Hey, John Corrales here from MassLive.com. I'm their Boston Celtics beat reporter and the host of this here podcast. Thank you. If you're a new listener, just joining for the first time, really appreciate you sampling the podcast. I know a few of you are just, you know, coming in and checking the show out. Really appreciate that. I hope you subscribe and can get this show daily to your podcast because this is a Monday through Friday podcast. All of you regular listeners, you know I love you guys. Really appreciate you making this show part of your daily routine, wherever it is, however you're doing it. Really appreciate that. Uh, going to do, by the way, no post game Friday podcast. Monday will be kind of like a game three, game four wrap up. Hopefully, Monday we're talking about a sweep of the Philadelphia 76ers. I think that's a very possible uh, result from this. So, hopefully, we can wrap that up and do a sweep of the Sixers show for Monday. Segment three, I'll explain kind of why I think that that's very possible. Segment two will be Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward spoke, and I want to apologize up front because my plan was to let you hear Gordon Hayward, to let you hear Brett Brown, to let you hear Brad Stevens, the website that stores all of that video, the NBA website that does that, is down I can't get to any of that that video, so I can't I can't transfer the audio over. So I don't have a good, clear copy for you to hear. So I apologize up front. That was the plan. That's no longer the plan. I'll have to kind of read you and give you the tone of how things went. But I'm going to start in segment one with a couple of news items that were very interesting from Thursday. Obviously, the first one, the Celtics get the 14th overall pick. No surprise, that was going to be, it was either going to be the 14th pick or Memphis was going to climb into the top four and the Celtics were going to get the unprotected pick next year. That was obviously what everybody was hoping for. It didn't happen. Statistically, this was the most likely result. There was like a 97% chance that this was going to happen. And what do you know? The 97% chance came through. The Celtics now have the 14th, 26th, and 30th overall picks in this draft. What do they do with this pick? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to package picks. I don't know if they their what their plan is. This is another year where the Celtics have multiple multiple late round picks 
and no need for all three. And so they, they have to do something, but the entire league knows they have to do something. So they're not going to exactly be, uh, there's not exactly going to be like a lot of clamoring for the 14th, 26th or 30th pick. Now there might be some interest depending on what, what player is available. Who's dropped. Maybe the Celtics can move out of that if they want. Uh, and look, if I'm not the draft expert, but my partner at Mass Live, Tom Westerholm, kind of is. And just looking at what he's written, he's talking about wing shooters that might fall to 14, like Sadiq Bey or Aaron Nesmith, uh, guys who can shoot the ball, that can come off the bench, and maybe contribute right away as rookies. If the Celtics make the 14th pick, I think that's somebody that those guys are people, those types of players are people that uh, the Celtics might get. He also mentions uh, a player that I'm not going to even pronounce his name, but he's a foreign player who's seven foot and is like one of those seven foot tall wing guys. The Celtics may, uh, if they want to take a swing at a guy like that, if he's available at one of the later picks, go for it. Uh, maybe you let him develop over in Europe. It's a very Spurs way to handle those late round picks. Draft and stash. Do that. But uh, again, 14th pick in a draft that's not particularly great. I think the best the Celtics can hope for is a competent role player. And who knows? Maybe somebody that we think is just a competent role player gets pissed off that he's put in a box and he steps up and becomes something that nobody thought he can be. I mean, those types of players exist in most drafts. So, again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've got a list of guys that the Celtics should pick here. I don't. Okay? I wait. My my plan is I wait until they get into Summer League. Then I start watching them basically in Summer League. And then I start seeing how they develop in the NBA. I'm one of those NBA people. It's just... I'm not. I'm not a big draft guy. I'm not evaluating uh, evaluating people. But Tom Westerholm totally does. I mean, he's watching these kids from high school, so he he's definitely got a pulse on those things. So when you go to MassLive.com/Celtics, you can read his draft stuff and and get a very good idea. Minnesota got the top pick. So here's the draft order: Minnesota, Golden State, Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland, Atlanta, Detroit, New York, Washington. Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, and Boston. That's the draft lottery. Will anybody trade down? What will the Warriors do? I think there's a lot of interesting kind of maneuvering. Forget about the players. For me, forget about the players who are going to get drafted. I want to see, does Minnesota draft one of these guys? What do the Golden State Warriors do? They don't need one of these young players. They need an established player. So, who do the Warriors look to that might want the second overall pick? Now, I look at Phoenix. I look at Atlanta. Who's got players that may fit what Golden State needs, which is going to be supporting cast, Kelly Oubre in Phoenix. I don't think Phoenix is going to be keen on paying Kelly Oubre long-term. Maybe Golden State can, can take him and find a way to make that trade work. I don't think they've got the money to make it work. It would have to be maybe a three-team deal. Maybe they can find a way to make something like that work. I don't know. Atlanta with Dwayne Dedman, 
possibility. Same kind of financial uh, restrictions, so they would have to find another team to help make that work. I don't know. I haven't put a ton of thought into these other teams and what they're going to do, but I'm looking at young teams with players that could move, that could take in a young guy, more fits their timeline. they got older guys that may be more into Golden State's timeline. These GMs, they can get creative. They can work with a team that has cap space. And if one of these teams that has cap space is willing to take something in return, they can work something out. Deals, you can make just about any trade work in the NBA if there is a will. And there's always going to be one of these guys, one of these teams, I should say, that has um, money, cap space, that can help facilitate one of these deals with a little sweetener, you know, throw an extra pick my way. Yeah, sure. I'll take a late round. I'll take a first round pick or a second round, a couple second round picks to help facilitate this deal. No problem. So we'll see how those, those things maneuver, but I'm really interested to see that stuff. Who maneuvers at the top of the draft and trades out? Of course, this goes into the next news item, which was reported on ESPN. The next NBA season may not, may not start until January or February because of salary cap related issues, specifically the uncertainty behind what the salary cap is going to be. This, the, the NBA has not calculated, has not been able to calculate what their true revenue has been because they're spending money on this bubble. So until this bubble is kind of done, they can't really come up with a real number about what what's the revenue. Whatever revenue they're getting from the bubble, they're spending a lot of that money on maintaining the integrity of the bubble. So this is going to make it difficult for the league to actually have an NBA draft in the middle of October. Like their plan was to crown a champion and then a few days later have the draft. And then like a day later or two, whatever it was, have free agency start. That was overly optimistic. And the commissioner said on ESPN that their initial plan for December 1st feels a little soon. And he basically admitted that it's not going to be December 1st. And honestly, it was never going to be December 1st. Uh, that was always an overly optimistic, but they put the number out. They put the date out. It's not going to work. If they delay the draft and free agency into November, there is a report, by the way, on True Hoop recently that Michelle Roberts had a meeting with players inside the bubble, and they were told basically that the CBA is toast. Throw that out but they're going to negotiate a new one and that shouldn't be hard to do. But when you're negotiating a a new CBA, I'll say from scratch, but it's not from scratch. They're going to use the framework of the current CBA to construct the new one. It's more when, when, when she says, or when she reportedly says the CBA is toast, it's not like they're tearing down the house, but it is a gut renovation. You know, it's got good bones, as they say. So they're going to strip down what they need to strip down. They're going to rebuild around the foundation and gut renovate the 
collective bargaining agreement. But whenever there's a negotiation, and I've told you guys before that I've been in two different collective bargaining agreement negotiations in my roles in the prior life in, in television when I was a union representative. I've been in on these collective bargaining negotiations. And invariably, there's going to be somebody that gets pissed off by something that's proposed. Something is going to go, I don't even say wrong, but it's not going to go quite smoothly. No one's going to say, oh, well, here's my proposal. Oh, I like that proposal. It's going to be, here's our proposal. Here's our counter. Eh, I can't believe you guys are really countering with this. That that's That's not right. And blah, 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 back and forth, back and forth. People on either side are going to are going to be like, you know, cursing the other side. It's going to happen. That's going to happen no matter how cordial it is. So that's going to take time. And league business cannot be conducted until the collective bargaining agreement is done. So we don't know if Gordon Hayward is going to opt out. We don't know if the Celtics are going to have to figure out something else. Like maybe he opts in and they say whatever the salary cap is and whatever the new CBA is, they say we cannot under any circumstances keep Gordon Hayward. We're going to have to find a trade for this guy. This is all hypothetical stuff, but these are all things that are coming down the road. So we're in August. September is going to be all about basketball, but as we get closer to October, we're going to start hearing more and more and more about these collective bargaining agreement negotiations and hopefully the league and the players association can come to some sort of agreement soon, but it's going to take time. And you know what? Chris Paul is the president of the union. He's playing basketball. They're going to have to wait until he's done playing basketball to really get these things going. And other players in the league around the league are representatives. They're all going to want to be involved. They all have to be involved because they're officers within the union. So, it's going to be a slower process than I think anybody really wants it to be. So basically all of this is to say that I don't know that they're going to start free agency by November 1st. And if it doesn't start by November 1st, I mean, think about it. You're looking at two months of by the time you get through a free agency period, trades, Players going to want time to relocate and, and set their families up. And then you're going to have to start training camps. I mean, that that's probably from the beginning of free agency to the start of training camps. That's probably a two-month process, I'd say. So even without a summer league, because that's not happening, all of the business the league and teams have to do, even condensed, is going to take two months. Normally, from... NBA draft to the start of training camp is like three months. So if you can shave a month off of that process, then great. Um, that's going to mean the that uh, some players maybe not don't get their vacations, but they just came off whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, the, the bottom line is this timeline pushes us into January, I think, at the earliest then we get into February as the potential start of the season. And then we can talk about fans being in there and vaccines. Uh, hopefully a vaccine is in place and fans can be 
in in seats, and hopefully that can be done safely. I'm, I mean, God, I hope so. <laughs> I just hope so. Uh, but that's the timeline. I miss I miss being at these games. I really do. It's driving me nuts having to watch these games from home and do Zoom calls. I want to be talking to these guys face-to-face and getting my own recording so I can share them with you. Those are the news items of the day. When we return, we're going to talk about Gordon Hayward and his really kind of sad media availability. Uh, I, I really felt for the guy when he was talking to us today. Uh, that's coming up. I really feel for you if you're like me and you got no food in your fridge because I've been going nuts. I'm just, I'm out of food. So I'm going to have to end up opening up my DoorDash app tomorrow to get food delivered here as I'm working to do the preview for game three. doesn't matter what I want or what you want. Maybe it's Chinese. Maybe the pizza place has something that you like or you want some kind of dessert. There's something for everybody on DoorDash. And the cool thing is these small local restaurants that you want to support as they try to recover from this this shutdown, this pandemic, you can do so safely on DoorDash by frequenting them and through contactless delivery, they can just drop it off at your front door. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food that you're craving right now, right to your door. There's over 300,000 partners in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. You can support these local businesses, like I said. But if you want something from a chain restaurant, because sometimes you just got to have your Chipotle, sometimes you just got to go to the Cheesecake Factory, you can do that through DoorDash as well. DoorDash now is offering Locked On Celtics listeners $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter Locked on NBA as the promo code. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download that DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Locked on NBA. Don't forget that code. It's Locked on NBA for $5 off your first order, $15 or more with DoorDash. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can even follow us on Spotify. Gordon Hayward spoke to the media on Thursday, and which was a surprise. Um, you know, the way things work in this pandemic and the way things are going on down there in the bubble, uh, we we don't know ahead of time. And so we were surprised that Gordon Hayward was speaking. And one of the reasons why I wanted to play you the audio of Gordon Hayward is for you to fully understand how sad he sounded. I mean, he did not sound good at all. And for who knows? I mean, maybe it's entirely about the injury. 
I can't, I don't know. He just sounded sad. And he said his first, like, what was it like? Like, what's it like going through this again? He says, it's definitely gutting. It sucks. There's nothing else to say about it. It's definitely frustrating. Um, He knew right away that this was worse than just a regular rolled ankle. He, and you can see it. Like he, when he was kind of coming off the the floor, he kind of like gave that, um, that signal like, oh, no good. Um, and it's just, it's sad to see him go through this, especially when he, he was asked like the mental part of the rehab. And he says, the mental side of rehab is far more difficult than the physical side of rehab. There's a lot of time when you're alone and a lot of time when you're contemplating, a lot of time to think. The mental side is the hardest part. And so this is, and there was some pushback, and I don't want to make this something where I just react to people on Twitter because I know that there there are people on Twitter who will react, and that's not indicative of everybody. But there are people who had a negative reaction to that, and I just want to explain that. The negative side of these injuries, the mental side of these injuries, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. Like, I know exactly what Gordon Hayward is talking about here. When you're, you, you put your entire self into these games as an athlete, this is who you are. This is mostly your identity that whenever somebody sees you, it's because you're a basketball player. They recognize you. When you wake up in the morning, your entire day is geared towards basketball. And yes, obviously there's family time and, and, and you know, your own time and whatever, but your body is the tool which makes you money. And so you have to sleep a certain amount. You have to eat certain things at certain times. You have to lift. You have to practice. You have to do your own separate shooting and drills. And you have to watch your film. And you have to study your opponent. And people don't understand fully the the full-time job of this. People think that guys wake up, they go to practice, they come home, and that's basically it. You have a few hours of practice, yeah, you watch some film, you go through your practice, you lift some weights, and boom, you go home. That's not it. That's not how it goes. You pour just about everything you have into these games. As a professional, this is your life. It's not just your job, it's your life. And for Gordon Hayward, we got to remember that Guys are defined. We define people by championships. We define people by this playoff success. And for Hayward to go through this again, just as he was playing his best basketball as a Celtic, to have this freak thing happen. He just landed on somebody's foot. And to have the potential for the entire postseason lost. This is where the bubble works against him because they're playing every other day. And 
in a regular NBA postseason, things get dragged out. There's a game, a day off, a game, two days off for travel, maybe two days off sometimes between home games, depending on how they want to set the schedule up. You have these extra days here and there where between a series, there could be an extra week. But by the time you get from series one to series three, there there are all these extra days built in where you might not miss as much time. Now it's every other day. And depending on how the first round works out, there's still going to be just a, a constant just game after game after game. And by the time Hayward gets back, it's the conference finals. I say all this just to say that. To be sitting here again with an ankle injury, going through this rehab again, having that trigger these memories of your other ankle injury, to have all of these thoughts of, well, if I jump in the lane again, is this going to happen to me again? This is twice now in three years that I've jumped into the into the lane and landed on somebody's foot. The first time I broke my ankle, the second time I had the worst ankle sprain that you can possibly get. You just seemingly gotten gotten over this this fear of jumping in the lane, and now here it is again. It's it sucks. It sucks. And whatever your reaction is about if it's one of those like, yeah, whatever, this is a human being. It's a human being and he's allowed to have these emotional reactions. And to have this kind of, you know, depression about missing something that he's worked so hard to get to, to have this happen again. So I really do feel for the guy. Uh, any player going through an injury like this and to, ha- and to be robbed of this moment, I know, I know that it can be hard. So um, there's no timetable. There's no update on the timetable. It's still technically somewhere approximately four weeks. Hopefully for Hayward that it sticks to that timetable. Hopefully the Celtics are still playing and that he can come back and and participate again. Um, and, and that's four weeks to, is he going to play? Is he going to play in an NBA game in four weeks? Is he going to be back in the practice court in four weeks? We still have yet to see. Uh, so that's your Gordon Hayward update. It, it really, really did, like when you saw him and heard him, it was, you know, it was kind of like, God, man, this, this guy's really, he's really taking it hard. He's really taking it hard. So hopefully he can get back soon. Uh, I did try to ask him if there was any advantage at all to being in the bubble, and it's not really. Um, it's just going through the rehab, and, and hopefully he can get back soon. And hopefully his body can respond, and hopefully an aggressive treatment can reduce the swelling quickly and that they can they can figure out a way to to get this to heal uh, better. Who knows? Up next, a battle of human nature. Why game three is not just about adjustments on the court. It's about what's upstairs. We'll talk about that next. 
playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Here's how I see game three. From a Sixers perspective, I said it yesterday. I think Philly has 18 minutes of fight in them. And I feel like this is a video game where your energy bar is down to that 18 minutes. Picture that bar. If you can clear this level, you can get to that. You can add to your energy bar. It's like uh, like a, a boxing game. You've gotten knocked down a couple times. Your energy level is down to like almost nothing. If you can just avoid getting knocked down that third time, that bar is going to go up. If Philly can avoid being knocked down that third time in game three, that energy bar goes up and then who knows? It still seems like you're going to lose the fight. But if you can survive long enough, Maybe you can pull something off. And talking to Brett Brown, talking to Brad Stevens, I could see the two different sides here. And I wrote about this on MassLive.com slash Celtics. I called it a battle of human nature because both coaches, independently without knowing what the other one said, brought up the human side of this. When I asked Brett Brown about manufacturing your own energy to kind of, normally you'd be going to game three at home and that energy would be in the building. So how do you manufacture that in this situation to to get that sense of, this is game three, if we lose this, we're screwed. Let's come out there and fight. He says, to me, it's human qualities. And obvious human opinion type things like character, competitive pride, a belief that the team has more to do, and that they truly have the ability to come back and win. Now, Brad Stevens, I asked him, hey, your team is kind of known for letting go of the rope, so to speak. Like the, the Celtics have not ha- handled success extraordinarily well. Whenever things get sort of comfortable, they kind of get too cool, and they they screw up a little bit. That's this team's M.O. So he says, I think it's called human nature for a reason. Bottom line is if you want to be special, you're unique. You're able to focus on the task at hand. You're able to understand how hard it is to win. So both coaches, in responses to my question, brought up the human nature, the human qualities. What's within you? And that, to me, is the biggest story of Game 3. Yeah, maybe you should start Ennis Cantor. Yeah, maybe Matisse Thibel is the way to go. Maybe they should change how far they drop Joel Embiid into the paint. Little things like that, sure. There's going to be these little adjustments that they have to make. But the number one thing here is the 
mental aspect. To me, the biggest thing about Game 3 is between the ears and which team is going to come out and assert itself. Like I said, Philly has, to me, 18 minutes of fight. If you make them use that 18 minutes of fight right away, then you can run away with Game 3. If you make them fight from the beginning and put them on their heels, which means don't let them come out to a hot start, which means get up and be physical right away, which means defend Embiid and make him work hard. And when you're on offense, work that ball. Put that Celtics offense together and play your game. Back to Brad Stevens. He said, for us, we have a very specific formula to play for us to be successful. And if we don't do that, we're probably in trouble. We've seen that at different times in the last couple of games. They cannot do that to start this next game. They cannot come out feeling cocky. They cannot come out feeling really cool about how things are going. Because if that 18 minutes of fight for the Sixers comes at the end of the game versus the beginning of the game, well, that quarter and a half, that fourth quarter of Philly fighting, and if they pick up that win and they believe in themselves, well, now they have more than 18 minutes of fight in game four. And you have to work that much harder. So it is entirely on the Boston Celtics to make Philly quit. They are this close. They are this close. I watched Brett Brown talk. I watched Al Horford talk about what this team needs to do. They said the right things, but frankly, I'm not sure they 100% believe it. I'm not 100% sure that Philly believes that they can do it. They can say it, but it is up to the Boston Celtics to not give them reason to believe that they can do it. It's on the Celtics to come out in that first quarter, in game three, and just eliminate all hope. That's it. Forget about the little in-game adjustments. Forget about those things. It really is for the Boston Celtics. Now, the Sixers do need to make a few adjustments themselves, but for them, it is mostly mental too. And putting up that fight and not going 1-2-3 Cancun. But the Boston Celtics have to come out and play. I'll go back to that Toronto game. That's now the standard of how they should play. Play like that Toronto game. Just give us that effort. Because if you do that, then game four is a walkover. Like, game four will be a whole half a taco fall. I might have said that same thing in yesterday's podcast. But it's true. Down 3-0 in that bubble with no nothing to play for. That team is ready to fold. 
Joel Embiid will fold. Joel Embiid will launch 12 threes in that game. That's He's just done. I'm telling you. But it's up to the Celtics to make it happen. And that's it. We'll see if they can do it. Hopefully when I'm picking up this microphone again on, on Sunday night, I'm talking about a sweep and getting ready for the next rounds. That would be a lot of fun. So we'll see. Subscribe if you are a new listener. Hope you've enjoyed the show. If you subscribe, you'll get this directly to your device. You can follow on Spotify. We're on Spotify. This podcast exists everywhere. It's the number one Boston Celtics podcast in the world. Thanks to your good ratings. Thanks to your written reviews. And that's always very much appreciated. It's very, very helpful for this show for basically paying me. I'm never going to ask you for money. I'm not going to ask you to subscribe to the show for for a fee. All I'm going to do is ask you for that rating and review. That's your form of payment, and that's that's all I need. So please do that. Subscribe to the Lockdown NBA podcast as well, which I host on Wednesdays with Jake Madison. That would be very nice as well. Get that. That's also daily. It's a Monday through Friday podcast here in the Lockdown Network. Thanks for listening. This is the Lockdown Celtics, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.